Hello, and welcome to The Deeper Podcast, a podcast all about living lives that unleash courageous love in small and big ways. I'm Reverend Sean, one of your hosts, and today I'm joined by the Reverend Kelly Dignan, a UU minister and friend of our community. Hi, Kelly. Hey there. Good to, good to be you? with you. Doing great today. Well, you led our online water communion celebration this past year. And so I thought we'd have you on the podcast to talk about water communion, its origins and what it means to us. So I'd love to hear what was your first experience of water communion? Yeah, well, it was interesting because my, oh gosh, I went to a UU church and, or, you know, joined a UU church. And my first water communion was to bring water from a place where you had gone on vacation from that summer. And I don't know, I think I'd been to Vail or something and I brought water from the Gore Creek and it was, it was good. It was powerful. I loved how we combined our waters, but later it dawned on me and a lot of other people in our UU world that that could be pretty classist. What if people can't afford to go on vacation, right? What if they didn't get to go to Vail, Colorado? And so um, I love how we've reframed it over the years as a movement. We can talk about summer vacations also being away from church in the summer is also sort of a privilegey thing. Like if you get to go to your summer home, which is what a lot of our UU predecessors were doing, right? They were going, right. they were leaving the cities and going out to their beach houses. And so then they came back to church in the fall and got to be together in this in-gathering way. Long story short, I think we've reframed it to be way less classist than it once was and bring water from a body of water that's meaningful to you, which could be your tap, your tap water, right? I feel like uh, a common one that I've heard in the last few years is the garden hose, just because of like how connected our communities are to their gardens and to community gardens, that source of water as a place of, of nourishment has become more common than, you know, the the summer home in Vail. That's exactly right. It's a powerful ritual and has gotten more powerful over the years when we've sort of decolonized it in ways, you know? Well, and it's interesting because if we if we talk about the origins of the, the service itself, I mean, it had a really radical origin. And then it was kind of co-opted into this coming back after summer vacation sort of motif travel log because at the beginning it was created for the UU Women and Religions Continental Convocation in 1980 which was happening in East Lansing and that's where Carolyn McDade and Lucille Shuck Longview constructed this service to really shift the dominant paradigms of worship. I don't know Kelly, if you have like some context for us and thinking about like what the 1970s, 1980s were like in terms of the women's movement in the uh, Unitarian Universalist context. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm pretty sure that today more than 60% of the UU ministers are women. But in the late 70s, I found an article by Carolyn Owen Toll she said this, this was, this is an article that was published in UU World, that in the late 1970s, she entered ministry. And doing so as a woman was a novel experience. 
females constituted only 5% of UU clergy. Way back in the day, women ministers were rare. I mean, here in the 1970s. Now, if women ministers were rare, what was happening in the pews, right? What was happening in the lay community? What was happening in our churches? This response that Lucille and Carolyn McDade are talking about was a response. It was a response to what Carolyn Owen Toll was talking about, and that is, where are the women? Right, because for generations, women have made up the pews, they've made up the backbone of the labor of churches, and yet they never were on the, they were never ministers, they were, well, they were, but they were in such small amounts. And then they weren't in the governing bodies of the churches. And so they were just this, like, I mean, a repressed class within the church. And so you see the rise of the women's movement and the corresponding call for women's liberation within Unitarian Universalism. And that's where the UU Women and Religions movement came, which asked us to ask the question of why aren't women in the pulpit? Why are why we only have exclusive male references in our hymns? And also, why are we conforming to a really kind of patriarchal structure of religion in which we have a person at the front who who talks and tells the truth? And so at this gathering in the in 1980 in East Lansing, Lucille and Carolyn came up with this idea for this water ceremony. And, and she had this to say about it, that it broke with the kind of classic religious worship in a few ways, right? It was created by women, women who weren't ministers, women who hadn't had a voice in our churches for a long time, despite doing the bulk of the work. And it was created for and by women. It was made sacred by their own gathering. And they were trying to figure out how do we worship in a way that's authentic, that's liberating, that turned the pews in on themselves so we could see each other. And they kind of came to this symbol of water as something that connected both women, but also all of life. Mm -hmm. And I think Kelly, you have a, a good quote in which yeah, they talked about right. the symbolism of that water. Yeah, I want to share that with y'all. Making our way like rivers from places distance, distant and near, we come together to give shape to a new spirituality. For there's no theology that calls women to strength rather than to support the strength of others. That calls women to action rather than to passivity. That calls women to full expression rather than to meek acceptance. Recognizing that, we see we must question every box, every definition, every assignment from an authority outside our own beings so that we can create and recreate for ourselves the rituals and symbols that give meaning to us. So we come together to question, to hear, to share, to speak, to inspire, and to celebrate through new rituals, knowing that our energy and our love are transforming. Celebrating now our connectedness, we choose water as our symbol of empowerment. As rivers in cycle release their waters and regain new beginnings, so do we cycle. For us as women, these beginnings are powerful, but not easy. We still, though, we still come to create and to celebrate and to live by the only spirituality worthy of our devotion, a spirituality that uplifts empowers and connects. Those are powerful words. Seriously. I mean, yeah. I love, there's so much, I'm wondering what stands out to you as you 
read that. Well, you know, we included in the service yesterday, the last little part of that, right? As rivers cycle and they release their waters, we regain new beginnings. But the earlier part of this quote just makes me think about there can't be a theology that calls women into anything other than strength, right? And full expression. And so they were clearly responding to something. There was, whether it was the theology or the patriarchy or the cultural feeling of patriarchy that made them feel meek and made them uh, feel passive. And so they were really calling into question every box, every definition. And they were doing that in such a, not just a, a critique, but a creative move, right? It wasn't just this, this righteous rage at the violence, but it was, we're going to create a new way, a, a new way of being. And kind of taking that dream, that longing for a new way for, for that, for that spirituality that empowers and connects and putting that at the heart of their gathering. And they were kind of creating it as they were moving. And I feel like a lot of us have been stuck in that space for a while of feeling the kind of rage and the outrage of what's going on in the world, but trying to figure out, but trying to figure out how, what do we do with that longing? What do we do with that dream that actually makes it creative? How do we move past the anger and the, the stuff that would just stop us from, as she says in the quote, from a spirituality that uplifts and empowers and connects. Our, our work as a religious community is to figure out how we do that. Like, how do we move from a rage that would disempower, disconnect and push down to a rage and anger, a goodness in life, a joy that that empowers, that connects, that uplifts. This gets to one of my passions that's been alive in me for so long is how do we uh, ground our justice work in spiritual practice and a spirituality that grounds and connects us and empowers us. Because I, I truly believe that unless we do that, we just bring more dominance and more patriarchy into any justice movement we're involved in. This is why justice-based work in churches is so powerful because it can be sustained by this. And what these women did was, like you said, they took the injustice and out of it created a ritual, a really strong spiritual practice. And that was embodied. And it transformed our churches. I mean, that's our denomination, our denomination, right? The, the influence, the women's movement, which invited kind of the neo-pagan community, the earth center traditions in, I think really broke open our faith. It allowed us to get out of our heads and into our bodies and to do that integration work and to see the ways that we reflect societal injustice inside the church and that we need to look not only outside for injustice, but inside for injustice. And that we need to do that in an embodied way I, I can't imagine Unitarian Universalism without the influence of the women's liberation movement, because we wouldn't be who we are today without the fundamental demands and the creative moves that they made starting in the 1970s and the 1980s, which I think really came to fruition as more women entered ministry, but also as our churches responded to the calls. And, and it was made possible by those 
grandmothers, the ancestors that did that work, that laid that, the allies that that worked tirelessly to lift up voices and to do that systemic change work. They really had a dream that something could be different. And I think services like the Water Communion Service, they embodied what that difference is now. And it was like a taste of that future. And that made it so, just like you talked about the justice work, that you can do it over the long haul because it's not an easy road to take. Right. And I think that it kind of reminds me of one of the stories that we shared in the service this Sunday about this little drop of water named Higgins, right? You know, that the dreams that we have are really important, but it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of determination. It takes a lot of community work to be able to make those dreams come true. Uh, right. So I think we're going to listen to that story. Love it. Higgins was no ordinary drop of water. He was a drop with a dream. Higgins lived high up in the mountains on the leaf of a scrub oak. All around him were vast mountain ranges, pine trees, and blue, blue sky above, as far as the eye could see. He was far away from the ocean, and he wasn't even sure what the ocean was. But he felt the ocean calling to him. Higgins loved his solitary life in the mountains. The view was great. No one asked anything of him or disturbed his peaceful solitude, and he could enjoy his life as he pleased. But Higgins still had a dream that one day he would travel to the ocean and be a part of something much bigger. He just knew that the ocean was where he belonged, but he had no idea how to get there. So Higgins decided to set out on a journey, to travel in search of his dream. He told a passing deer about his dream and asked if she knew about the ocean and how he might get there. Climb on, she said. I have some friends who may have the beginning of an answer for you. So he hopped onto the deer and she ran through the forest until she came to a small trickle of a mountain stream. There, he found hundreds of other happy little drops of water, leaping and laughing as they trickled past in a tiny stream. Join us, they said. We are having a party in here. And even though Higgins was happy on his own, he decided to join them. He jumped in and he immediately felt the joy of being with friends. He no longer felt alone. I wonder if these drops of water know about the ocean. So eagerly, Higgins told the drops of water in the stream about his dream. Just hang on for the ride, Higgins, they said. And as the little stream bubbled downhill, it was joined by other little streams to become a larger stream. And now Higgins could feel the force of the other drops as they rushed together down out of the mountains. Higgins was bumped and bustled as he and the other drops rushed along, and sometimes he wanted to go his own way, but he was held and supported by all of the other drops. When he felt like he might be tossed or dashed up on the shore, the other drops held him and wouldn't let him go. Eventually, this bigger rushing stream joined others to form a small river that rushed through canyons as it made its way out of the mountains. 
This river grew and grew and grew as more and more streams emptied into it. And Higgins could feel himself as a part of something much larger and stronger. By this point, Higgins had got a sense of the journey. So he just started to relax and he floated in the river as it grew and grew, continuing its journey out onto the plains. The river kept on growing, becoming deeper and stronger, and Higgins could feel himself held by all the millions of companion drops as they floated together. And as they floated, they nourished the land that they passed, the plants, the animals, creating more beauty and life everywhere they touched. Finally, the mighty river came over a rise, and there it was, the mighty ocean. He had made it, and it was possible only because Higgins was so willing to join with others so that his dream could become true. That's so often true in our lives. Accomplishing big dreams often requires that we do it together. Especially when we need to cross terrain that could be dangerous. Or when life feels like the path ahead could be hard and long. We need to keep moving forward together, connected to our bigger dreams. Like Higgins, we have to join with others and do it together. That is what life asks. It asks us to do it together. Love asks us to do it together. The past 18 months have been a long, hard, sometimes joyful and beautiful road. And we have traveled it together, which has meant that even when we can't see how, we can hold on to that bigger dream and vision that we have for a world that is shaped by love. When we get discouraged, we turn back to each other. When we are tired, we step back and others step forward. No matter what comes our way, we can laugh together and play together and stay connected in friendship and in community. As the world continues to change in ways we cannot predict or control, May we be reminded over and over and over again that we don't have to do it alone. A lot of people ask me when they find out I'm a Unitarian Universalist minister, what do you all believe? And what I like to tell them is that Unitarian Universalism is a faith that holds two fundamental truths in tension. The truth that each of us is worthy of love and belonging and that we're all in this together that inherent worth and interdependence come together to challenge us to figure out how we move forward to live and build a world that is more equitable, more just, that allows each of us to follow a dream that not only nourishes us, but nourishes every being that we pass along our life's journey. We witness in the pandemic how much we need each other and how much our individual actions contribute to the larger state of the world. Well, we've also realized the power of community and that community doesn't need to be constrained by boundaries of states or countries. We build community wherever we go. Foothills is a beautiful example of this. We have church online now and we have church in person. We have people that listen to this podcast that live in California, 
Texas, Illinois, New York State, Australia, Canada. We have people that are a part of our Foothills community that gathered together in Roland Moore Park, and we have people that are listening right now. That community finds a way. And that together, that the barriers that divide us one from another are actually trivial in face of the power of connection. And in a minute, I'm going to turn it over to Reverend Kelly, who's going to lead us in a virtual version of water communion, of this water ceremony. I'm going to invite you to pause this recording and go find some water and a bowl. You could go for a walk and find some water from a place that's meaningful, or you could use simply the water that comes from your tap or your garden hose. Either one will work. Once you have it, I invite you to play the recording as Kelly invites you to walk through this experience of water communion and know that you're not doing it alone, that hundreds of people who are listening are doing it right alongside you, and that you're joining our online community, our in-person community. All water eventually finds its way to the ocean, finds its way back up into the sky, finds its way across the world. And so we trust just like the water that cycles through our entire beautiful planet, that even though your water may not join our water physically in this moment, eventually it will. Eventually it will complete that cycle, and just like every other atom of existence, will be recombined and combined in the infinite diversity of life itself. Even as we turn back to the origins of water communion, we can also appreciate the way that we adapt this ritual each year to meet the present moment. This is one of the gifts of our faith, really, that we have roots and we have wings. In other years, you've had a single gathering where you literally shared water into a single vessel. Last year, the service was completely online and lots of video of different people. This year, there's a time for in-person water communion, and we have this space here where we're gathered in a different kind of communion. Really, whatever form our ceremonies take each year in this church and all the churches in Colorado and all the UU churches around the country and even the world that are doing water communion at this time, all of those ceremonies, no matter when or where or how, they give us a chance to remember that we're all in this together interconnected, interdependent, made up of the same stuff, and living and loving on behalf of that greater dream. So I invite you now to find that bottle of water that you were encouraged to have handy and the bowl. And I've got mine. I've got my water bottle that I always take on a hike. And I've got my bowl. So if you'll all find yours. And just take a moment to pour a little bit of water, not the whole bottle, but a little bit of water into the bowl. And if you're watching with family, you can pass the bottle and so that each of you can pour a little bit in. Mm. So you've got, you've got water in both places, the bottle and the bowl. And now you could get a little playful if you wanted to. You could put your fingers in the water and feel the temperature of the water. Is it cool or is it warm? 
Maybe you'd like to feel a little water on your hands or your face. Maybe carefully and thoughtfully, you'd like to dab a little water on a family member, like almost like a blessing on a family member if you're there together. With love, you could flick a little water on each other. I don't know if you're up for that. Maybe you'd even like to take a sip of the water if it's from your tap or a safe source. And if you do, I've got a big bowl here. I'm going to just try it. Feel it as it slides down your throat. This water, whatever the source, is a blessing to you. Refreshing you, sustaining you, renewing you. So just take in that blessing. You might consider where the water came from. Mine is not from the reservoir. Otherwise, I would have loved. If it had been, I would not have sipped it. It's from my tap water that it just soothes me and fills me and nourishes me. Now turn your attention to the water that you still have in your bottle. It too holds a blessing, and this time it's one that you'll share. Think of where you'd like to share some water as a blessing. Maybe it's in your neighbor's garden. Maybe your neighbor's garden has brought you joy all summer long as the flowers have bloomed or the vegetables have grown. And if that's true, you could go after the service and offer a little bit of this water into the neighbor's garden. Maybe you rode along a bike path during the pandemic. You could take this water with you and pour it on the dirt of that path as an offering, blessing, a symbol of gratitude. Perhaps you've found some moments of play with your family while at home. So maybe after the service, outside and with consent, you could have a little uh, water fight with the water in your bottles and maybe even the hose. Whatever you choose, use the water in your bottle to bless the world. And know that everyone in the Foothills community is offering, offering blessings in some way to the world with their water. And you might just feel those blessings flowing back to you. So in order to really make this full, full of blessings, hold your bottle of water and let's bless it. In this water, we remember community and all who have gathered in this moment together online and to everyone who's gathering in person today and all who are unable to gather yet remain connected in covenant. In this water, we give thanks for all those who have come before and whose big dreams we inherit today. Think of the women, the women who started this service and all the others who have come before you and whose dreams you've inherited today. We give thanks for our community of the future and all those who will, who will pick up our unfinished work and carry it forward. This is the truth of big dreams. They're the work that take more than any one person can do and require more change than any given lifetime can hold. 
So may this water be a water of memory and hope. We give thanks for all of our partners who journey with us now, all those who've shown up and served in big and small ways over the last year, who keep showing up on behalf of the small moments that are in the daily embodiment of big dreams. And in this water, let's promise to ourselves again, to the practice and purposes of our community, of our faith, as we continue to change and life continues to change around us, let us never forget the call of the spirit, the call of courageous love, and the great truth that we are never alone in this work. Amen. I want to give a big thank you to Kelly for leading us in this water communion ritual and for joining me on the podcast. Next week on the podcast, we're going to be hearing the interview that Reverend Gretchen Haley did with Reverend David Williams, pastor of the Abyssinian Christian Church here in Fort Collins. It's a powerful interview exploring that intersection between rage, grief, and goodness, and David's perspective as a black pastor in Northern Colorado. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation because I thoroughly did. As always, I want to say thank you for listening, for being a part of our Foothills community, for bringing your piece of the truth to our mosaic of understanding. I want to say thank you to those of you who are supporting financially Foothills. Through your giving, you're making ideas we come up with, like this podcast, our virtual and in-person ceremonies possible. Your investment makes this all possible. If you don't already support our work here at Foothills, we invite you to do it. Especially making a recurring donation that allows us to keep going, knowing that we can count on your support. This allows us all to go deeper into our lives and to help us do the work of unleashing courageous love, not just in Northern Colorado, but far, far beyond. You can go to foothillsuu.org slash give. It shows you lots of different ways that you can support our mission and our work. And I just want to thank you for doing that. Well, this has been our fourth episode podcast. And we love hearing from you about this listening experience. We're experimenting about taking the goodness of Sunday mornings and bringing it out in this podcast. Taking the experience of water communion and bringing it into the podcast that you can experience on the go. I'd love to hear from you about it. So drop us a line at deeperpod, that's D-E-E-P-E-R-P-O-D, at foothillsu.org. Let us know what's striking a chord or what opportunity you think we should take advantage of. I can't wait to hear from you. And until next time, thanks for listening. For the world that we need.